incredible. Incredible. And the prayer that you pray about, um, Lord, you know, what we're going through right now is nothing compared to what the earlier Christians were going through. That's also something that's come to my mind a couple of times. And I pray that we all pass the test that when those difficult times come, um, we'll all be found faithful, we'll remain faithful. And we'll please God in everything we do. But that's that's incredible. Um, I want to go back to what you said about um, studies. And you were praying in the morning, 5 a.m., waking up 5 a.m., going to the church, 6 a.m., praying for an hour, then going to school. And that's when you began to take school more seriously because your life is important. So how did you um, go from there, um, starting to do better, focusing on your studies, to studying theology at Oxford. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I was a bit of like, I was quite a funny kid in class. Man. I'd bust <laughs> jokes with teachers, be like, oh, how's the missus? Uh, just cheeky, just cheeky yeah. vibes. Um, didn't really take school that seriously until I became a Christian. It was like, okay, cool. I'm revising early. Big up to my science teacher. She used to make me breakfast in the morning. Yeah. Like, I just became really like, okay, cool. I'm going to be a testimony here in this school. I remember uh -oh. bringing my Bible to school. Why was that your motivation? Remember? Yeah. You wanted to be a testimony. Again? You said you wanted to be mm. a testimony at the school. Yeah. Yeah. It really was a... Being in church doesn't reflect anything about my Christianity. That was my mentality. Like, what I do in a church in an environment where everybody wants me to do these things means nothing. Being in an environment where nobody wants me to do these things, that really shows me my faith. Um, so I did put a big emphasis on being a Christian um, during school, um, because that's where it really reveals whether they are a Christian or not. Yeah. Um, being in the world, are you different? Is that that salt and light? Unfortunately, yeah. there's not that clear salt and light analogy between Christians and the world these days. It looks pretty similar. That's true. Very um, similar. And I think that's, I, I, I understood a bit of that. I didn't fully understand that, but I understood it to a degree. I think I knew how I was in school really mattered. Um, so yeah, um, it became a sort of thing where I I saw my life as important. Yeah. I saw it as value what I was doing. And it's like, I'm going to make the most of the opportunities God has given me. If God is giving me education, I'm going to make the most of my education. I remember, I guess, quite a stark difference. I remember, um, I don't know what was going on. This might have been year nine before I became a Christian. Probably, I imagine. Um... I remember I'd gone on like this law trip um, and one of like the senior members of staff had been on the trip. Um, and essentially, I don't know what had happened, but basically when I was in school, it's a bit of context. I go to school, I went to school in Tottenham. I went to school in a pretty bad area. Um, and in order to be cool in an, an environment where criminality is the cool thing, you kind of have to at least associate with the roadmen. So those are my friends in school, like the roadmen. But I was wise. I'd be friends with them in school, but when it came to outside of school, I would not associate with them, merely because I lived in a different postcode and I don't want to be seen with guys who are in, say, this gang. Yeah. And then I go back to my own postcode and people are like, oh, I saw, I saw you with these people and then I'm in, I'm in difficulty. So in school, I'd chill with them all the time, yeah. I remember, they must have been doing something mad. I can't even remember. He's always doing something stupid like maybe gambling behind school getting in fights or something so i remember one time i must have got taken out of class and this senior member of staff who'd been on this law trip with me must have said yeah man you have potential like you're actually a smart kid but 
most of your friends won't be here in a year. They're going to get kicked out. <laughs> and like, I actually see that you could do something. Like, you could maybe be like a, a deputy head or something. Like, you could actually do something in the school as I'm with your life. But the current path you're on, you're just going to end up like these people around you. And I remember at the time, I didn't take him seriously. I kind of went back to my friends and I was like, look at this guy. He's even just talking to, he's saying all this, blah, yeah. blah, blah. He's gassed. He used to chill out. Um, and I remember that, that conversation where, yeah, you could do something. You can maybe you're deputy or you can maybe do something. Like, you're actually smart. Yeah. Um, but I didn't take it seriously. <clears throat> and then I became a Christian. Um, and I ended up coming the head boy at my school. Um, oh. And I really treated that as a, okay, like God has elevated me. I'm going to bear his name as well as possible. Um, mm. And it took me in some funny situations because it's like, I've been friends with these guys all the way through school. I remember one time I must have, I, generally I started to kind of keep my distance from them at a point. So I'd be in the library. That's when I started taking my studies seriously. Instead of chilling with them, I'd be in the library. One thing I always had, and it was so silly, but... It was just one of those prideful things. I was always scared of the librarians knowing my name. Because like, if they knew my name, it's like, you spent too much time here. Like, what's wrong with you, bro? <laughs> I remember like, I got to a point where the librarians knew my name. Like, they, they talked to me. How are you doing? How did that piece of work go? And it was like, oh, my days. I've actually become that guy. Like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm a nerd. Um, I'm a nerd, this year, man. I've entered into that category. <laughs> and I remember one time, um, I must have been with some of my old friends that I, I was chilling with. Um, we were coming back from like some sixth form careers or some college fair or university fair, I think. Um, it was a university fair, I think. And different universities are advertising themselves. Yeah. I remember I was on this bus, yeah. And basically the bus driver said, oh, we're terminating here. So we terminated early and bear on my old friends on this bus. And instead of just getting off, what they did is on the bus in London, <coughs> there's a button above um the doors where you can close them manually or open them manually and because i was so annoyed that you've terminated the bus they close the doors and it's like kicking the bus driver's door just making bare noise just just started a riot on this bus and i'm just here i just happened to be on the bus like i'm just minding my own business we happened to get on the same bus like i wasn't trying to chill with them but we got on the same bus and i was in this situation i was like oh my days these guys are gonna get in trouble there's cameras he's probably gonna get back to school I'm in a sticky one. And I remember some girl um, who chilled with the same group that I was with. Like, you had the cool kids, then you had the cool girls who went along with it. And then you just had everybody else, like... And she was part of, like, the cool girls, yeah. And she must have been, like, to me, because I was head boy at this time. And she was like, oh, guys, 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 let's let's let James get off first so that he doesn't get in trouble. And then we'll carry on doing what we're doing. It's like, there was a level where it's like people knew... This guy's on something a bit different now. Like, we can't afford to let him get in trouble. Like, before it's like, yeah, man, he's just one of the guys. But then it came to a, a point of, nah, man, like, he's on a different path and we're not mm. going to mess it up for him. And I feel like that was a real point where I appreciated him. I really appreciated them. Where it's like, they saw what I was trying to do and they, they valued, now this guy's changed and we're not going to bring him back into something. Yeah. Um, that he's not meant to be in. And they wanted to maintain my testimony for me, almost. And there's this interesting thing about Christians and non-believers where sometimes a non-believer wants you to make it just to maintain faith, that you can do it that way. It's like, if you fail, it's like, ah, oh, that Christian way doesn't work, fair enough. 
But they don't want to make the step yet. But they want to they want to have faith that there is a step that they can take. There is a way out. Mm. And you almost have to maintain the possibility of the way out. And that's what that moment was for me, where it's like they wanted to maintain the possibility of you can live James's way. I don't want James to fall because say I get to a point in my life where it's like I don't want to live this life anymore. I want to have faith that I can turn away from this. Um, so yeah, I think that's why the testimony is really important. <clears throat> yeah. And what you said about um, unbelievers wanting you to maintain the faith, I remember an instance where there was this girl, she was asked to do something and she said, no, I wouldn't do that to favor because he's a Christian. And mm. there, there's something about that, which, you know, that just made me remember that instance. So you, you from then he's a head boy working hard. And so why did you decide to study theology at Oxford? What was the appeal there? Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of this came down to my boarding school. So post secondary <laughs> school, I got a scholarship to a private school. Um, and it was, it was, it was a really good opportunity. Um, it was a massive cultural shift, but I got a lot out of it. Um, there was a girl in the year above me who went to my school in Tottenham, also got the same scholarship um, at my private school, and went, ended up going on to Cambridge and then theology and philosophy. And she was a Christian. She was kind of like, she kind of looked after me. Like she kind of like my my mum in school. Well, like, I kind of do stupid things, and she just be like James, man. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, James. Come on, man. She give me that. Come on. And she was really, really like influential in that time in boarding school because it was a struggle. Um, so she kind of put the idea in my head. I never thought of studying theology at university. It never seemed like a serious degree. Like it never seemed like a degree at all. Like you just think law, maybe medicine. Like maybe it's sort of the immigrant mindset. Like you don't <laughs> think about these sort of artsy subjects. You just think doctor, engineering, engineer. yeah. doctor, lawyer. So I was kind of on that vague, sort of on that same um, wavelength. Um, and I wanted to do law. So my plan was to just do a law degree. And people at my boarding school were like, you know, you can do a law conversion. I was like, whoa, law conversion. Wait, so I can do a degree that I like and that I'll probably get a first in and then convert and become a lawyer. I was like, oh, wow, that sounds powerful. Um, and that's kind of where it came into my mind. Like I, I, I read a lot of like apologetics and some more theological literature at the mm. time. And I thought, oh, wow, like, I actually have a good chance of getting into a good university for this. Um, so they gave me lots of uni prep. Um, I did debating and my debating coach studied history at Oxford uh, and she gave me lots of um, extra sessions of interview practice. And I think by the time I went up to interview, I was very, very confident. I was busting jokes in the interview <laughs> room and they were loving it. I, even I thought I'm already in, like mm. maybe it's prideful, but I it was, was in. I'd done so much practice. It was like, yeah, man, I'm in. Um, so it was yeah, almost beyond faith, in. would you say? Like you just... Yeah, man, <clears throat> like complete confidence. And even if it didn't happen, I was still calm. It's like... Yeah, I just want to go to Oxford. It is what it is. Mm. But I was very at peace throughout the whole process. Um, no anxieties at all. And I think that's kind of how I am. I don't have much anxiety. Um, that is good. So, yeah. That is good. good. And, and now, now you're at Oxford, Oxford studying that, study third, that year. third year. You know, <clears throat> how has life in the past two years, two plus years at Oxford? What's the um, Christian life there? How's the Christian life at a university in the United Kingdom, in an institution like Oxford? Yeah, what's been the experience? I think I came in quite, in a sense, prepared because yeah. I'd really struggled with Christian fellowship at university, at boarding school. Other than that girl, there wasn't really many Christians. It was a very atheistic environment. The first time I'd been in a really atheistic environment. Like in Tottenham, most people come from Africa, the Caribbean, or maybe like Turkey or Somalia, them sort of like, well, Somalia's in Africa, but maybe Turkey. They yeah. were the other group. And 
as a result of a lot of people coming from Africa and the Caribbean, people kind of have the same moral system, even if they're not religious. Like, there's certain cultural things that we say, that's wrong, that's right. That's just how we view it in the Caribbean and Africa. It's like, you share those things with these people. So going yeah. to boarding school with all these, like, white, upper-class people, they did not have these sh- same cultural presuppositions, like, oh, this is wrong, this is right. It's like, why is that wrong? I was like, what? I thought everybody knew this was wrong. Like, what's wrong? You really mean that? How is that wrong? Or in what way? Like, I don't even, I don't even have an explanation because I've never had to ask that question. It's like, that's yeah. always the way it's been. Um, so I think when I came into uni, it's like, I'm finding the most serious Christians from day dot. I had this thing I called the hit list, um, which is basically a list of Christians that I'd gone through the Christian Union group chat and some people that who I'd known Christian through Union. friends. Um, and they were recommended as serious Christians and I'd call them up and be like, oh, so, so what's your testimony? And I'd kind of review yeah. their testimony to figure out how serious <laughs> they were. It's like, okay, this yeah. person's not sounding too serious, just kind of go up and shut. Mm, no real revelation, all right, not this one. Next person, oh, wow, okay, okay, this sounds like a serious conversion. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, and with these people that I put on the list, essentially from first year, we did like 7 a.m. Bible studies um, every morning, um, Bible study and prayer. And that created a real sense of community from very, very early on. And I think that gave me a great um, a great transition straight into Christian community from the day I got to Oxford. Um, and I was kind of known from day dot as the pastor. Like, everyone called me Pastor James um, in the ACS. Like, I, when you have a reputation like that, you kind of feel an obligation to live up to it. Um, so I think, at least in first year, it kept me from doing madness. And then second year... Yeah, man, the Lord is good. <laughs> yeah, man, the Lord is good, man. Secondly, I got up in some madness, I can't lie. Um, girls, that sort of vibe. Yeah. And yeah, man, it was just a wild year, the Wild West. <laughs> it was the Wild West. You I can relate. The Wild West. And I think lack of accountability was the reason, man. My boys were not hearing from me in second year. If my boys were hearing from me, I don't think it would happen, man. I mm. can't see it happening. And I think male friendship is very important um, because your your boys will tell you how it is. Um, but yeah, man, I just kept it quiet. It was more confession as opposed to accountability. Yeah, yeah man, this happened time after. But when it was going on, yeah, man, no one was hearing about it. Um, mm. And then third year has been really, really good. Um, that's where I've really, really got into my degree. I've become less dogmatic. First year, I came in very dogmatic and I wasn't open to listening to what theologians were saying. <clears throat> um, and that came from sort of the church background, like, can't trust these theologians, you'll lose your faith, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and I realized, wow, a lot of these theologians are actually Christians and they're very fiery Christians. And they actually think about the Bible and they think about their faith and their minds are renewed. And they're thinking of things that I don't even think of. And it's like, wow, like carnal mindsets I have because I haven't really critically thought about the Bible. They don't have because they've critically thought about what the Bible's really saying. They've either accepted it or rejected it. Um, So until I became a bit more humble, academically, theologically, um, I probably didn't have that much growth um, in terms of how I viewed things. And it's only this year that I've really recognised the grace of my life for teaching. um, As I've I've listened to some of these guys who really know what they're talking about um, and recognised wow there's a whole realm that i hadn't tapped into um so it's been really exciting since then um and i've been very committed to that like i'd say this summer um i received a prophetic word 
um, about like ministry and um, what was going to happen in the future. And it was resonating with a lot of things that were going on internally um, in my heart that summer. Um, that summer I was staying with my friend Yukan and we were living um, in uni together. And just mm-hmm. trying to live up the Christian life, just bare evangelism, praying for the sick, just an exciting summer. Um, and over the course of that summer, it's like, wow, like, I can't live no normal life. Like, this is for me. Like, I need to do this full time. Um, and since then, I've very much stewarded the calling where it's like, there's certain opportunities that have come up to do certain things that I think I genuinely love. But it's like, nah, man, there's more important things to be done. Like I'm, I'm a, I see myself as a, a resource for the church, and mm. it's like I need to do the thing that makes me the best resource as possible, and it might not be the most enjoyable thing, um, but that's the path, that's the calling. So yeah, that's the path, that's the calling. Um, just to segue back to what you said about the hit, hit list, um, I remember the first time we met, which was on Zoom on like morning okay. prep call, I think. You asked me, "What's your testimony?" And I remember being. <laughs> Yeah, so you mentioned something about yeah, your so calling you and about, while I was listening to your podcast um, earlier, um, you said your calling was teaching. So for people, how did you find your calling? How did God reveal that to you? Good question. I think there's a couple layers to it. I think the first layer is realizing the reception of my ministry. Um, so mm. being in Bible studies, um, I remember about my grandma. So my grandma used to be a pastor. Yeah. Wow. And she asked me to do some Bible study for her and her friends. Um, and I remember at that time, I really felt, wow, like this is really affecting these people. Mm. God is using me. And this feeling of usefulness um, and being in the right place, being able to meet a need. I've not felt doing anything else. Um, so I think that was one instance. Um, other, just doing Bible studies with young people and yeah. speaking through scripture, even with people from church. And it's just a wow. Like there's a depth of understanding that really blesses. Um, so I think the reception of my ministry um, has been one confirmation sign for me. Um, I'd say, <clears throat> I think the second was my second year, even though I was doing wildness. <laughs> it's always the end of my second year. Every morning I wake up at 5 a.m. and do four hours of Bible study. So it's like, I have an insatiable desire for scripture. Like, genuinely, like, crazy. Like, even part of my degree, obviously I study theology, and not all of it is Bible. But sometimes I'll be reading a scholar, they'll mention a scripture. I'll start reading that scripture. It's be like, I can't just read this chapter. I need to read the whole book. You know, I've read the whole (laughs) book, but I need to read the whole New Testament. I'll just spend the whole day just listening audio Bible to the New Testament. I've done this several times, but it's Hmm. like... I was meant to be doing an essay, but it's like, nah, I just want to read the whole of scripture. Mm. Um, and that appetite, I think it's not usual um, no. from the people I've spoken to. And it's like, I think that is an indicator that God is trying to do something. It's like, I've given you the t- desire, use it. Um, don't just sleep on that desire. Um, I've given it to you for a reason. And I think thirdly, um, that prophetic word from um, a prophet who um, goes around, he's a traveling itinerant minister, and he was so on point. Like he prophesied to like maybe 15 people that day. And it was things that you just wouldn't know. Like specific, like you're a teacher in a school. Somebody's trying to cause a coup against you. What you need to do is this. Um, or my friend Yukan, who studies law at Oxford. The guy's like, I see you working in the laws of the land. 
on the laws of God. And just these things that it's like, mm. you don't know these people. This is precise. And when he said it, it was like, there's already something going on internally. And now what you're saying is making sense of what God is doing. Um, so, yeah, I think the appetite, the re- reception of my ministry, um, the internal workings of God um, challenging me. I-, I remember a period where I'd go to church and whatever the sermon was about, I'd end up being convicted that like, he needs to go into ministry. I'm like, yeah, God, man, that poor path there, man. I don't know if it's for me, God. Like, I'm not trying to do it. <laughs> and it was annoying. Every time I go to church, I can't even listen to the sermon. It's just this conviction of God telling you, you're being, mm. you're being disobedient. Like, this is what you're meant to be doing. Wow. wow and it wasn't wow. even like I, it was, I was entering into ministry the next day. It's like, this was a heart obedience where I want you to be in a line with me. Mm. And you're not going to hear anything else in these sermons until you <laughs> let this go. Um, so yeah, man, that was a period of time where I kept getting that. Um, and yeah, man, that, that prophetic word, I say, was a real confirmation of the whole lot of things that have been already going on. That's incredible. And <laughs> so every time we go, go to church, the Holy Spirit will just be convicting you. Yeah, man, no matter that's, what the sermon was about. That's something. I remember um, I've shared this testimony on the podcast before, but... Um, well, I felt that conviction. Um, this is when I was doing an internship and God was saying he wanted me to go on this path. So I wanted to originally do banking and finance, but God was telling me, no, go to technology with this program. And it was so strong. You couldn't get away from it. So to hear someone else who's also had that. Almost like an internal conflict. Cause you're like, God, what about, but God, yeah. It, that's, it, yeah, um, that yeah, brings me joy to hear joy someone else's experience of the Holy Spirit convicted them. Yeah, man, God definitely does it, man. He doesn't necessarily do it all the time. Yeah, not all the time. When you know, man, you know, man. And there's <laughs> yeah. one of those things where I couldn't shake it, man. You I can't. couldn't shake it. I could not shake it. I wanted to shake it, but I couldn't shake it. Mm. Me too. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I lost on I day lost three. On day I was like, okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, fascinating. I put up a longer fight than that, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and what, um, advice what advice would you give? You know, I know you've talked about having the desire, the appetite, um, the reception. What advice would you give to someone, to a Christian, um, listen right now, who wants to find their purpose, that calling from God? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one preliminary thing is to say, um, I think it's what. It says it somewhere in Thessalonians, mm-hmm. um, maybe First Thessalonians three four, um, and it says something about the calling of God is your sanctification. And I think that's your primary calling. Mm. Like we can get caught up in the specifics, but that really is the calling. Like us walking that narrow path, yeah. And along that narrow path, it takes different routes. But the the posture of I'm gonna go that difficult way that Scripture calls me to go you will end up in the right place. I see it as this. It's like, if you're, if you're following God's will, his general will of scripture, you'll end up in his specific will. That's kind of how I see it. Often we want to jump to the specific will, but his general will, we're not really trying to follow everything we see in scripture. And it's like, Mm -hmm. why is God going to give you more when you haven't done what he's already told you to do? Um, So I think God is quite systematic. It's like, he will he does have specific callings with people um and and maybe it's not even that common like maybe some people have more freedom in certain choices than other people i i believe that 
um, where God actually gives some people more freedom. Where it's like, no, you could do several things and I'd still be pleased with you. Um, and I think some people it's quite specific. It's like, I want you to do this. Um, and it's disobedience if you don't do this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think Paul's one of those people where his conversion and his calling took place at the same time. It's like the way he was introduced to Christianity was go and do this. He couldn't distinguish the two. There wasn't, ah, oh, yeah, but even if I don't follow my calling, I'm still saved. It's like my salvation and it's my calling were at the same moment mm-hmm. on that Damascus road. Um, and I think some people, it's more tight. Um, if you don't walk this path, maybe you won't end up staying saved. Maybe that's why it's so specific. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think following his general calling um, is how you tend to get up in his ultimate calling. Um, and I think that the, the body of Christ, we've made it so individualistic in the West. It's actually crazy. Even when you look at the commission of Barnabas and Paul in Acts 13, it's like the church recognized the grace on them and they sent them. There's such a corporate aspect to the calling. Even Paul, who got this clear, clear calling on the Damascus Road, the most individualized calling, you're called for this. There was still that confirmation of the body in the calling. Um, so I think there's that individual aspect and that corporate um, confirmation, I'd say, um, that work hand in hand um, when it comes to a calling. Um, so yeah, that would probably be my advice. Like counsel. And also internal working of God. Yeah. That's and not to put too high of an expectation on it. Some people, it's not that specific. That's all right. Just be obedient to what you've had. Hmm. That's great. I'm learning a lot here, James. Thank you for sharing all that. That's incredible. And as this podcast is aimed for Christian men, what do you think, what are the challenges that you see in the world or in the church today that young men, young Christian men are facing today? What are the biggest challenges you think? <laughs> We're facing, and perhaps how could we do better to mitigate the soldiers' things? I'd say one that's on my mind is relationships. Guys, keep away, man. Genuinely, it, it seems like quite a negative <laughs> mentality. But these young brothers, just keep away, man. Genuinely, un- until like you're just sure that you're ready to get married tomorrow, don't even yeah. entertain it. Like, it's genuinely mm. not worth it. Like, bro, like. I just want to say to any brother that's listening right now, like, this is really on my heart. Like, I can, I can tell. Can tell. <laughs> so much stress, like, so much added stress to your life. It's like, why are you going to enter into that before God's time? Like, it's not worth it. Like, it's actually not worth it. Like, it's enough stress in God's grace when He wants you to be there. So, why are you entering into it in a time where it's just going to be trouble? Like, God's not even supporting what you're doing. Come on, man, it's long, man. It's too long. <laughs> so I think that's one big thing for these young men. Like, Relationships. Just don't care too much about marriage. Don't care too much about these girls. If it happens, it happens. But count the cost, man. Like, you won't have the same freedom. <laughs> like, you're going to have to think about another person on a regular basis and how your actions affect them. It's, it's a heavy burden. And there's blessings of it, I'm sure. Yeah. But my main thing to young guys, I'll use your years of plenty. I see it as Joseph, man. Joseph had those years where he knew the family was coming, so he stored up. Your young years, mm. you have more time than you'll ever have. Invest that time. Mm. If you don't know the Bible now, you probably won't learn the Bible by the time you're, you're married. So 
my advice is use your young years well. Um, I'm very obsessive, as in, when I finish this call, I'm going to study the Bible more. When I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to study the Bible more. Like, this is what I do in my free time. I don't watch stuff that doesn't help me. Like, I study the Bible on a consistent, thorough basis. Um, and a lot of that comes into calling, I guess. But also just my own desire to know what God has to say and to be conformed to that image. Um, so, yeah, man. I, I don't know why. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's what I advise for young people. <laughs> it's like, <clears throat> there's extra things in life that are nice. But if the main thing you haven't got settled, yeah, man, you've gone, of course. You've gone, of course. So keep the main thing the main thing. Thank you for that. That was that was very that was powerful. That's great. And it's what you were saying about um, it's always on your mind. It's like Paul said: single men have more time to please God and do God's will, while married people have to also take care of their wives and families and stuff. So yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, man. There's more compartmentalizing. There's different things you have to do, but yeah, you can just be full, full on, man, full on. Um, at this point in time so yeah use it hmm. and so what about you um i know you have the, your podcast what is church podcast but what are your future, future plans and where can people find you to follow your journey hmm. um i'm quite a low-key guy man socials okay. Okay. <laughs> you can't really catch me i'll be so real unless you know me you know me like if okay. you don't know me and you don't text my phone you won't hear from me i'll be so real like i don't get followed no FBI are following me. <laughs> Nobody knows what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm underground. I've got my podcast, What Is Church. Um, I'll probably come back to it at another point. I feel like my theology changes so much these days that I want to be in a solid place before I return to that. Um, mm. I've learned a lot from doing it and I've enjoyed having the conversations with my friends. I've recorded a lot of episodes, but I just haven't put them out. Um, and I think it's been a good learning curve. Um, but I think I got to a place where <clears throat> I grew up in a certain church tradition and this is how we thought about the Bible. And then I use the same thought process about the Bible and how to interpret the Bible to think about how we did church. And it didn't line up. But after a period of time, I realized, wow, we don't live by our own way of interpreting scripture when we do church. I got to a place of, is this even the way to interpret scripture? And now I've kind of entered into a new way of interpreting scripture. And I've kind of left behind that where it's like, OK, cool. You you don't live up to your own standard of reading scripture but i don't even think that's how you should read scripture and i'm learning how to read scripture again and once i've finished this journey to a degree not i will never finish it but once i feel like i'm in a place where i really know how to execute maybe i'll hop back on it again um but yeah that's kind of where i'm at with the watch church podcast so yeah man you can you can find me you can find me if you know somebody reach out to Faber. they will pass on to me and you can reach me questions but you have to know me you have to know me uh, I'm not like this social media personality. I'm not trying to blow. Like, I didn't start a podcast to blow. Otherwise, I'd be up uploading regularly. But mm. I have no desire to do that. Like, it's very much a, as I feel like it can bless and I enjoy it. Like, that's the only reason I do it. Um, and if I'm not enjoying it, I won't do it. Um, mm. So, yeah, man, I like to live in real life. Um, so people on social media, I'm just knowing that, well, praise God for your life. <laughs> but I'm not yeah. there, man. You're not going to see me. There's no story <laughs> to be seen. I'm not there. I'm not there. 
Incredible. Incredible. And just before we wrap up, up, are there any, there any last comments you want to just share? Any bits of wisdom you want to give to our listeners right now? Hmm. I'd say, <clears throat> I think my advice would be get to a place. I was thinking about my comment on um, like women and whatever. And I think for young guys, you want to get to a place where you're doing something you find so meaningful mm-hmm. though you wouldn't let any woman get in the way of that and you'd only be with a woman if they aided you in that and didn't make that difficult and until you have that meaningful this is where i'm going i think it's hard to make a decision as to who you're going to spend the rest of your life with um until you've got that i'm living at my maximum like I'm, I'm mashing it. I'm actually destroying life. Like I'm at full efficiency. Don't invite someone in who can mess it up, um, or don't invite someone in prematurely who may mess up when what it is that you find to be that purpose. Um, it's a big decision. You look at scripture, Job's wife, um, and <laughs> you don't want that, man. You don't want that to be your portion. <laughs> Um, to find out what is and that's not necessarily a calling thing that's a am I living at my maximum right now like whether that be your service in church whether that be um, your work that you're doing um, your uni studies where you're going in life like until you have that level of I'm mashing every day I don't think you should really think about adding to that mm. you should only add when you're at the place you want to be at to a degree you'll never be at some perfect place but if you're not operating at your best i wouldn't add to that and add extra difficulty because you'll probably never get to your best because you're taking on all these extra responsibilities that, as paul says you have to think about all these extra things if you're not operating at your best now and you're just joyful it's like if you add extra things to your life you're never going to reach that place of joy probably of where you're fully living in this is the best life god has for me and it's like having another person to think about only makes it harder because you have to compromise so it's like find out what you're truly made to do now and just live it so well and then when other people come along you can say this is who i am if you're not on this then respectfully it's not going to work out um because if you're not in that position, it's like, I don't even know where the goal is. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't know what the best life looks like. I don't know where true joy is. But, hey, I'm, I'm looking for someone to make me happy. It's not a good position to be in. Fascinating. You know what? What you've just said is something I was thinking about a couple of days ago. Um, so thank you so much for actually sharing that. And this it relates to what Dr. Miles Maruro said. Um, it was in a sermon. And he... He pointed out that God gave Adam, like, what to do, you know, take up the garden, tell the garden, this is your purpose, you know, cultivate the land. And it was only when he was really living to that, you know, busy, that's when he saw the need. So, fascinating stuff. And James Brown, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming. And... To our listeners, listeners, I wish you you an amazing amazing day. God bless you all. all. Thank you. Thank you.